Weekly Trek, Episode 2, for the fourth week of April, 2018. Weekly Trek is a Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network weekly show covering the news and current events in the Star Trek universe with rotating hosts from the Tricorder Transmissions Network. Each week, our hosts hand-select Trek news from around the internet and present them to you with our analysis. Think of it like the 6 o'clock news, but for Star Trek. And I am John. I am the host of the Trek Profiles podcast on this very network, where every episode we sit down with a Star Trek fan and we explore their fandom and figure out what they're all about and how they live Star Trek in their lives and what this fandom all means. And I'm delighted to be here with you. But you're not just getting me. Oh, no. I have an amazing co-host who is far more interesting than me. It is the amazing Barry DeFord. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be a part of this weekly broadcast we have from uh, from Tricorder Transmissions. I am one of the co-hosts of Politrex, where we look at all things political, religious, philosophical, sociological, all of those things that have to do with Star Trek. And we try to figure out our own society through the lens of the star society that exists within the Federation and beyond. So I'm really happy to be here as well. It's it's great to uh, great to get to talk all things Star Trek on a weekly basis too, and I'm happy to be here. So I guess the biggest story of the week is probably this kerfuffle about the design of the Enterprise on Discovery. We had sort of a is it this or is it that? Is it this? No it isn't kind of story. So let me just give a brief recap. We all saw at the last episode of season one of Star Trek Discovery that it featured the Starship Enterprise, and this was the Pike era Enterprise, of course, and a lot of people were really excited to see it, but the design was very different than what we were expecting from the standard TOS era. And there was a story that was put out by some of the designers that it was a legal issue, that they were prohibited from using something that was... um, very close to the original TOS design. And there was a legal issue about it because the company that originally owned Star Trek, it split. And now there's two different companies. One owns the movies, one owns the TV shows. It's a whole big story there. But it turns out that that story was then retracted. And it was said that this was a design decision. And it was a creative decision, not a legal decision. That earlier story was an error. So there was a lot of activity and a lot of tweets and a lot of news articles and analysis written about this in like the 24 to 48 hours that that story was out there. So let me just pause there and and see what you have to say about that, Barry. You know, (laughs) I, I, I could smell this coming, you know, there, there always, there's this, this desire to want to justify discovery through some sort of sort of legalistic way. And and to be honest with you, I think Discovery stand on stands on its own, and their design changes. You know, if you want to say it represents sort of a reimagining a bit of Star Trek, fine. It it still fits within the canon. It still fits within all of the pieces that make Star Trek Star Trek. And you know, I'm currently looking at an Eagle Moss model of the Enterprise refit from the motion picture, and when you look at that, you can definitely see some some elements that they definitely took to incorporate into this design. And to be honest with you, John, when I saw at the end of season one of Discovery, when I saw the Enterprise coming towards the the Discovery, my heart swelled. I, w- I felt like, you know, like an old friend had shown up. It was a great way to end it. The The whole look of the Enterprise for me still, still felt like the right thing to do, felt, still felt like the right way to go. 
no one really ever talks about. There's a slight difference in the Enterprise D from the beginning of the series to the end of the series. You'll notice that uh, around the saucer section, it's not as sharp. It, it sort of it sort of flattens out and kind of becomes a little more um, chunky or bulky. I don't recall anyone ever having a problem with that. These minor design changes don't take away from the story. And for, you know, there there was a couple different websites who had come out with this story. You know, what are we, a sewing circle? Do we have to justify it this way? For me, I just found this was a big non-issue. And when I found out that it was actually a non-issue, uh, you could have noted my complete lack of surprise. Well, for me, I'm always... My head always goes first to the out of universe explanations and I, I get drawn into the sort of the meta stuff. And one of the things that I immediately thought of was just the fact that, you know, in television in 2018, we're just not going to show the same sort of technology and the same sort of ships from way back. We're going to do something new. Now, I'll, I'll tell you that creatively, I, I didn't want to see the Enterprise this way. I, I don't want it to be a big part of the story. Um, I, I feel like I want them to go do something new. You know, um, I just completed a rewatch of TNG and uh, I watched it in order. And one of the first things that I thought about was uh, one of the first episodes is The Naked Now. And I thought, well, this, you know, they, they've got this whole new show and they're doing a retread of something that has already been done. You know, I want to see them do something new. And I, I just hope that they uh, continue with that and that we just get a little dose of of that that enterprise. Uh because I just feel like I want them to go forward, not back. But that's my own preference. No, I, I agree with you on that. It's it it is nice to see this the the Starship Enterprise coming in. And I will say like how excited I was when I saw it. But yeah, if it factors like extremely heavily, it would it had better be for a very, very good reason because I want to see the Discovery do stuff. I want to see that crew go places. And to get a little a little glimpse of Captain Pike and all that sort of stuff, awesome, great. But yeah, I, I want to see a, a, a story that stands on its own without the uh, the the usual fan service. We can we can exist within this universe and these characters. I think at this point have proven themselves. I want to get to know the Discovery crew more than anything. I don't know about you. I, I want to know about all those other people on the bridge that hardly ever talk and get maybe a line every other episode. Yeah, exactly. Well, shall we move on to the next piece of, of news? And I think this one sits a, a little bit closer to home uh, in a quite literal sense. It turns out that uh, Discovery from being broadcast on space before 8 p.m. Uh, is in a bit of hot water up in my home and native land, as they say, in Canada. So what basically happened was uh, Discovery aired... It's episode Choose Your Pain, and that is where Ensign or sorry, Cadet Tilly ends up having her moment of profanity, to which then Paul Stamets repeats it because it is awesome. Uh effing awesome, I guess as they would say. Um I don't know what time you folks are watching it, so I have to stick to my Canadian rules. Uh I can't uh, I can't swear right now because technic well no, technically in my time frame it is after eight PM, but in John's it's not. So I have to watch my language. Anyways, it looks like a individual somewhere in my country sent a complaint to the CBSC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Standards Council. It's part of the CTRC. And what that basically is, is they want a certain level of decorum that takes place before a certain period of time. What that boiled down to was the swear 
word was not acceptable for the time frame that it was being aired on space, which is a kind of a, a higher end channel. You have to pay for it extra. And now they're getting slapped with a bit of a censure. I'm I'm a Canadian and I didn't find this a big problem, especially considering before the show airs, there is the warning of, you know, violence, coarse language and nudity will be shown. So I don't know. What do you think down in your neck of the woods, John? Well, I have to be of two minds about this. I certainly have my own opinions about it, but I certainly don't know enough about Canadian law and Canadian cultural practices and sort of what's normal and what people expect on Canadian TV to, to have much of an opinion about it. But I can say that I, I read the complaint and it's available online, actually, uh, directly from the Canadian government. They include the communication uh, that the person had sent in. And one of the things that amused me was that in the second paragraph, uh, the, the person who submitted this, and we don't know if it's a man or a woman, so I'll just say the person, uh, said that, uh, well, they looked forward to Star Trek Discovery uh, and, and they were enjoying it all the way up until Choose Your Pain. Uh, and that's the episode that caused this person to, to, to write in about some of the content in that particular episode. And as I was reading the complaint, I'm thinking, well, where were you for all the other episodes? Because there was a lot of graphic stuff. I mean, we have the murder of, uh, uh, many, many people. We have a space battle with thousands of people dying. We have, um, Captain Giorgio getting stabbed in the chest and it's very graphically displayed. Uh, I just thought, why in the world is all of a sudden someone dropping an F-bomb? That's the thing that we're going to get upset about. I mean, we've enslaved the tardigrade at this point and, and, and used it for our own purposes in the show. Uh, there's a lot of things you could have gotten upset about. And if Choose Your Pain is sort of the first thing that, that uh, really makes you want to write something uh, to the government, it surprised me. Um, and he also goes on, or he or she goes on to say, I do believe that Gene Roddenberry is turning over in their grave, is turning over in his grave. So I, I thought that was um, quite presumptuous. I agree because Gene Roddenberry wanted to push boundaries. He wanted a a universe that that is robust and diverse. And so for Encentilli to be so incredibly amazed that she does spout a little bit of profanity, and to be honest, there really isn't that much. Also. At this point, hadn't Rekha Sharma's character been ripped to shreds by Ripper? So part of me is also like, really, that was okay as well? Like, yeah, you'd mentioned a few other points in there too. And I, for me, this is really, I think, someone who was looking for trouble. They were looking for something to be upset about. Just to give you an idea, there has been some other ones. There was an advertisement that took place on March 29th, 2018, and uh, it was Annabelle creation. And it was a, uh, that's part of the conjuring series of horror movies. And apparently there was a, a scene on, on our sports network uh, called TSN where they aired this commercial where like there was a scary doll and someone went in and complained that, you know, well, this doll isn't very, you know, it might scare little girls from their dolls. Part of me wonders if maybe this is a point where the Canadian Broadcasting Council might want to start reviewing its stringent laws. Now, I'm not to say that young people don't need to be shielded or warned against different types of violence, coarse language, nudity, and all those things. But I do think that it is, you know, 
upon the parent, upon the caregiver, the guardian, whomever is with that young person, to be discretionary in what gets shown and what doesn't. Star Trek Discovery touted itself as being more violent, having perhaps a bit of profanity in it. We saw it coming a long ways away. And so I'm a little bit disappointed in my fellow country person for for being so um I don't know, just being kind of a kind of a buzzkill, <laughs> to be honest. Well, one thing that I did notice is that it appears to me that there are factual errors in the report put out by the government agency. Uh, particularly, uh, let, let me just quote just a couple sentences here. I, I hate to read stuff, but I will try to do it in a way that is uh, fun for the listeners. So listen to this. This is, this is the words of the Canadian Broadcasting Standards Group. So this is in their report, and they're recapping the episode and talking about why they, uh, what parts of it they paid attention to. So here we go. Quote, a group of Klingons, open parenthesis, who are the extraterrestrial humanoid enemies of the Federation, close parens, attack the small spaceship. Lorca and the pilot engage in a fight with the Klingons with much punching and choking. One Klingon rips the pilot's heart out of his chest and he dies. The Klingons capture Lorca, end quote. I don't know what cut of the episode y'all were watching, but I didn't see any hearts getting ripped out of chests. No, neither did I. I think a neck was broken, but a heart was not pulled out of a chest. So again, yeah, I think I think this is um it's it's just it, there's a there's a level of bureaucracy here that uh, I am not impressed about and for for this to be an issue for me this is not cool, eh, as they would say up in my neck of the woods. So Barry, what's the bottom line of all of this? I mean, is it just a is it just a fine for the space channel and then business as usual or or do we expect some lasting repercussions from this in the way that discovery is shown in Canada? Well, I'm actually somewhat concerned that that our folks who own, you know, more than basic cable cap packages, maybe satellite are going to have to suffer the consequences of this individual's perturbance over the whole issue. It'll it might change its time frame, which could cause some people not be able to watch it because sh- uh, showing up at eight o'clock is a convenient time. Most people have finished their dinners; they're not quite ready for bed yet. You know, depending on what your work schedule is. Star Trek is a you know it's an interesting show, and so I don't know. It depends on what space decides to do at this point. Now, Star Trek is also available on a online platform known as Crave TV. That's how I was taking the show in. I did get a chance to be a uh, guest and a co-host, a temporary co-host on Discovering Trek. And so I I had to find actually friends who had satellite so that I could watch Star Trek on space the day before. Because on Crave TV, we end up seeing it the day after. So unfortunately, what happens is, is Star Trek comes out on CBS All Access. Then it comes out on Netflix and the rest of the world. And then finally, a day later... Canadians who don't have cable like myself watch it on Crave TV the next night. And so basically what happens is is 34 million people have the opportunity to watch Star Trek a day later than everyone else on the planet. And uh you know this could make space me I don't know maybe they'll choose not to show it on their on their TV show if it's going to be this big of a problem or they'll show it too late and I'm a school teacher I go to bed early so the bottom line space is probably going to get censured and they'll probably have to change the time. 
And uh, if not, then they might get fined. I don't know. We'll have to see what comes up of this. Yeah, that seems like one of the things that Space brought up in their defense, which also I should mention is available in the documentation from the Canadian government. So you can read what, what they said. And one of their points was that the use of the F-bomb was not gratuitous or in a, in a mean-spirited way. It, it was as innocuous as the use of that word could be in the context of the show. It's an advent. It's an adverb. They used it as and, an adverb. Yeah. And so uh, in this particular case, though, the, the government response was, well, if you knew it was there, you've just admitted to it and you should have changed the time to nine o'clock and you wouldn't have been in this predicament. So for, for what it's worth, I, I think that this is one of the things we get by having the show being produced for a streaming platform in the United States, which is the market of where it's intended to be primarily distributed, but it's actually filmed in Canada, which is funny. Uh, <laughs> so they're in Toronto filming a yeah. show for, for the United States and then distributing around the world through some other partners. Uh, but they're, they're primarily, you know, CBS is primarily, I'm concerned, I think concerned with the United States market and uh, they're getting in trouble with the Canadian government. But I will say that, you know, on the bright side, uh, at least there is an option in Canada to get the show uh, without having to to pay a subscription fee. So that that is a, a nice thing, at least. I agree. Just uh, um, just to end this off on a on a lighter note, uh, John, I'm going to teach you some Canadianese right now. It's not Toronto. It's Toronto. Toronto. Give that a shot. Toronto. Toronto. The, the T is silent. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto. Just so you know. Yeah. Toronto. All right. And if you if you want to be really like Ontarian, it's Toronto. But uh, don't don't uh, don't don't go to the uh, lightning round until you're for sure. Uh, all right. I, I won't try to do it. Uh, but you've just brought me back to when I was in college because my college roommate my freshman year was from Louisville, Kentucky, and he had to disabuse me of the notion that that's how you say it. He said it's Louisville. Like like you don't, you want to move your mouth as little as possible. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Yeah. Exactly. All right, man. I got you. All right. Well, then well, let's move on to our next story. Let's talk about something awesome as opposed to something sad. Let's talk about the wonderful Hallmark ornaments that have been announced. Um, oh, Hallmark, my gosh. Yeah. Hallmark has been making Star Trek ornaments for uh, several years now, and they just came out with their announcements for this year. And they're, they're, while there there's several different ornaments, there's really two different buckets. Uh, there's the ones that are going to be widely available. And uh, they just look fantastic. And then there's some special convention-only exclusives, which will be available to people uh, who who visit some of the Star Trek conventions, including Star Trek Las Vegas. So these look just fantastic. But the one that I'm most excited about uh, is actually this year they're recognizing the animated series. And they have a wonderful pair of uh, special ornaments. One of our favorite feline officer, uh, that's communications officer, Mares, and the three-armed navigator, uh, Mr. Eriks, and they just look fantastic. I was really taken with them. I, I'm not the kind of person who collects a lot of stuff for Star Trek, but I have to say, I, I did uh, consider looking at how many Quatloos were in the bank when uh, I saw this announcement. How about you, Barry? Absolutely. Looking at... Uh Looking at the animated series characters, uh, Mares and Eric's, it, it's great to see them portrayed again. And, and, you know, a lot of people do throw a lot of shade at the animated series. I've 
haven't really watched very many episodes, just to be perfectly honest. Uh, I'm a completionist, and the animated series is definitely where I don't have my uh, my completion badge. But I know both characters really well. I'm I'm ecstatic to see it, and uh, yeah, you know, I are they the ones available only at? Uh, yeah, they're they're at they're at our they're at STLV this year, right? And that's it. And then you know they're they're a Comic Con, so they've got San Diego, New York, and then STLV. So yeah, I'm I'm probably with you there, there, John. I'm probably going to be heading home with with both of those figurines for my Christmas tree this year. Absolutely. Um, and they also have the Sulu fencing scene from The Naked Time, with uh, Kirk ducking as Sulu is swashbuckling around the bridge. So that looks kind of cool. So if a shirtless Sulu is your thing, that would be the ornament for you. And uh, also a cool looking tricorder and the Dis- and the discovery. So those are also all available and a TOS Enterprise uh, as well. So looks great. I would say I would say that the Anovos Discovery, the Hallmark Discovery, are definitely the ones I'm going to want to. Uh, not the Anovos, sorry, the Eagle Moss Discovery and the Hallmark Discovery are the ones I I'm definitely interested in getting. The Anovos might be a a little high on my uh, my latinum level, though it looks beautiful. It's nine thousand, so if, uh, if that is nine thousand US, I believe. Yeah, yeah, no. So basically, that is like half the price of the car I bought. So unless that thing is actually fitted with a spore drive, I'm probably not going to get it, but it looks great. I'll give it that. But, you know, looking at these, um, these sort of mock-ups that they have online here, it's uh, 0.71 inches in sort of its width and length kind of idea. So, you know, it's a sizable model. No, it, lo- it looks pretty great. I think it would look great on a Christmas tree sort of next to my blast damaged Enterprise C. So, you know. Your blast damaged Enterprise C? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, no, I got that one um, when it came out last year. I managed to find it um, online through a uh, through eBay. eBay, I think, uh, would have been probably how I, I ended up with that one. So that one's going on the tree this year too. So yeah, we'll see. I, I obviously, I think every single member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcasting family network will have to get our very own Tricorder. I think we should all get one of those just as a uh, maybe with our initials engraved on the back. What do you think? I think that's an outstanding idea. We should take it to the uh, Starfleet uh, headquarters of Tricorder Transmissions Command and see if Admirals Jeff and Heather are on board with it. I think they would be, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, so Jeff and Heather, you have been, the, the, the gauntlet has been dropped. We, I think we should all uh, go in on this and get some early Christmas presents going for all of us. I'm totally down. Just just brand new uh, coming up here, we have uh, Michael uh, Giacchino is going to be uh, at STLV. Now, he is a composer of epic proportion. He has composed stuff from just thinking off the top of my head. I think he did Lost, um, obviously Star Trek, um, like some of the Planet of the Apes episodes or uh, movies, um, maybe a Star Wars too, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't have anything open right now. So I'm thinking he did not one of the main star wars but like either he's done solo or rogue one and i correct people on twitter and facebook help me out so he is a he is a very accomplished uh composer he's done star trek beyond um he did uh star trek into darkness and then star trek 2009 which i think was an amazing the his music from star trek 2009 definitely helped me in my jump back into 
uh, Star Trek fandom on a huge level. So it's great to see that he's going to be at STLV. I'm definitely going to try to uh, shake that man's hand. Oh, I think he's going to be fantastic. And uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, you know, and whatever you think of the movies, you know, whether you're a fan of the JJ films or not, it's it's certainly OK to say that I love the music of the films and I love the soundtracks and and to really enjoy those, uh, even if you're not a fan of the, the JJ verse. Uh, I personally am. I thought they were great and I, I enjoyed all of it. But I think that one of the things of Star Trek that doesn't that gets some appreciation, but in my opinion, not enough is the overall uh, music that we've had in this show all the way back to the 60s show. It's really just been a, an incredible and integral part of the show in a way that I think is really not appreciated. So I'm super excited uh, about that. Yeah, you know, thinking of 2009 especially, the way he blended the TOS original score to it. I mean, I think it's the same key signature and it's the same um same tempo as the music. And so that's why it blends so well at the end of the show when they finally do have um the TOS sort of his pastiche of the of the TOS score coming on the end credits when you sort of see all the cool planets and everything like that. But there I always thought what I really liked the most was when Bones and Kirk meet each other and they talk about like the divorce and all that sort of stuff and I may throw up on you. And they're they're taking away in that shuttlecraft heading up to the Enterprise, and there's that little bing, 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 and then it kind of swells out as the shuttle takes off. I just thought, you know, this guy knows his music really, really well because he was he was blending all this different sound in, and then he just just laced that little piece in. And for people who grew up with Star Trek, like um, yours truly and John, I, I assume as well. It was a great little shout out. So yeah, no, he, he, like the movies or not, this guy knows his stuff. He has contributed greatly to Star Trek and deserves at least a high five in the hallway if you see him. Absolutely. So we we at Tricorder Transmissions, of course, will be bringing you a plethora of coverage of STLV. I think most of the hosts of the network will be there. So uh, even if those of you listeners who cannot attend, be sure that we will be bringing you lots of content and lots of reports about what went on there and, and lots of reminiscencing, reminiscing, reminiscing, reminiscencing, reminiscences, reminiscences, reminiscences. Yes, there we are. Uh, that, see, you, you, you are a natural born teacher, Barry. You can't help it. It's awesome. Thank you for being you, man. Um, of what You're goes welcome, on but there. You do have a detention. You, you do have a detention later after this, John. Uh, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, man. It's all good. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on, though, and talk about another story. And it is also STLV related, though, convention related, uh, in that at this uh, uh, 2018 year in August, there's going to be a special panel uh, and a special screening of one of the most memorable DS9 episodes. Uh, far beyond the stars, which for those of you who don't remember, it's the one where the whole crew goes back in time, or actually Cisco does, and he has these this mental image of him back in the fifties as a sci-fi writer, and all of the other cast is there, but but in their own skin, not with appliances or or any of that. So it's a really special episode, and uh, so they're going to have the screening of the episode, and then a special panel afterwards with Mark Zakri, who actually wrote the episode, of course, Iris Stephen Bear, 
uh, Ron D. Moore, Sirach Lofton, Aaron Eisenberg, Jeffrey Coombs, and J.G. Hertzler will all be in attendance. And I was especially glad to see that um, in the original email, it was planned that this screening and panel would be in the secondary theater. Well, it's been moved to the main theater because so many people were so excited about it. So uh, I'm really excited about this screening, and I'm going to do my best to attend. How about you, Barry? Well, uh, as per our discussion on the first episode of Trek Profiles, this is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek of all time. In fact, it is some of my favorite television of all time. So for this to be a panel with some of the most principal writers and actors being a part of it, this is definitely something that I will not miss for any reason whatsoever. And I will be there for the screening and I will bring some extra Kleenex along because this episode moves me in a way that uh, that is profound and it you know what uh, I mean I'm on Polytrex this is a this is an episode that takes me right back to mid 20th century United States and and North America in general and what people of color had to face and Avery Brooks's portrayal and his characterization and his acting in this episode is bar none I'm not going to hold my breath that Mr. Brooks will be there but to know that the other actors and writers are going to be there is going to make my heart swell. When I was in STLV last year, I, I sort of did a fist bump to the chest when I saw Ira Stephen Bear walk by. And in the back of my head, it was that reason for, for this episode that I, that I did that. It's one of the reasons why I admire his work so much uh, and, and the other actors and the other writers who, who had a piece in it. So this is great. I'm so excited. I have to just interrupt the podcast here for a, just a quick story about Iris Stephen Bear. Did did you go to his uh, special panel at the, what were they calling it? The CBS All Access Theater last year at STLV? I missed it. I missed it. I, I, show, I was a very truncated visitor to STLV. I actually got three and a half days out of STLV out of the possible six that usually people end up staying for. And so- yeah, this year I'm going to do the full meal deal. Well, I, I went to his panel, and this is at the the smallest of the three theaters, right? And it's the one that, uh, for those who've not been, there's this one really small theater, which is for more sort of, you know, more intimate, sort of like weirder or sort of more offbeat events. And it shares the same room with Quark's Bar and also a little mini cafeteria that they set up. And so Ira gets up there and uh, he says, well... I don't want to do a panel. Um, I think I just want to buy you all coffee. And so he snaps his fingers and he points at like this, this young lady who's working at the cashier back there in the cafeteria. He's like, buy all these people coffee or tea or whatever they want. And she's like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know how many coffees. I don't know. However many of these people want. Make it so, you know? And, and, and so I remember just putting the coffee on the table and I had to take a picture of it and say, this is the coffee that Ira Bear bought me. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> oh, the man's a total class act. And, and for, for this to be happening, I am, I am totally expecting this panel to be probably one of the greatest highlights of STLV 2018. I would, I would argue. I'd agree with you. I think it's going to be a great time and I would encourage everyone to attend. And speaking as someone who's been going to STLV for, for more than just a couple of years, the longer I've gone, the less I've actually gone to the main theater to see the, uh, you know, sort of the headliner events. I mean, I've seen his Royal Shatness many times. I've seen, I've seen Terry Farrell. I've seen Marina Sirtis. I've seen Gates McFadden. And so I, I 
actually, if there's things that are going on in the other theaters, I'm more likely to go to those and not go to those big panels. But when it comes to these special screenings and when it comes to something new like the Discovery panels, they are definitely a highlight. And I, I would recommend anybody who's going to go to the convention to definitely check those out. I wonder if if what we left behind is going to get mentioned as well. If this is going to be maybe a bit of a teaser for that as well. So we'll see if that uh, if anything comes of that. Yeah, I think they were actually doing some filming uh, last year in the secondary theater. They were asking people to come up and actually give reminiscences about Deep Space Nine and uh, for the camera. And uh, they, they actually specifically asked if anyone would come up and have anything bad to say. I remember that. So um, that was quite interesting. So we'll see what it looks like when the documentary uh, finally hits the airwaves. I would be interested to see what our listeners have to say about this and about what they think of of doing this panel, doing this episode, and what they think of what we left behind as it stands right now as a campaign in the works. Right now they have $640,000, sorry, $647,891 dollars raised they are at 423 percent of what they had originally wanted and so because of that they have delayed their production and i think they're they're building upon that so listeners of weekly trek and of the tricorder transmissions what's your take on all this i would be really interested to see what what everyone else thinks about this specific one for sure absolutely and we'll give out all our social media stuff at the end so y'all can tweet at us or email us or whatever it is you want to do all right Fantastic. So then, uh, Barry, why don't you take us through our last story for this week? Yeah, well, this is a bit of a a bit of a non story, I guess, in some cases, to to a bit of a degree. The uh, Discovery was nominated, I believe, for a number of Peabody Awards, one or two, maybe, maybe, maybe more than that. And unfortunately, they did not win. However, I do have to say that the fact that they were nominated in itself is a recognition there is a lot of good television out there. It is, uh, it's hard to find, uh, it's hard to find a bad show. And, and, you know, I've been, I've been looking at all the different platforms that they show up on and, you know, it, it's almost difficult to keep up. And I'll be honest with you, nine times out of 10, a guy like me will just hop on Netflix and watch Star Trek when I don't know what to watch. And it is always my default. So, that's how I get all my series rewatches done on a constant basis. But there is a lot of really good TV out there. And for Star Trek Discovery to be counted among that really great TV, for me, is testament that uh, that they're doing a fine job. And I look forward to seeing what they have to come up with next. If they got nominated this year, I'm guessing that within the next six seasons that we're going to see Star Trek Discovery, we're probably going to get an award from it. I think you're probably right. Uh, but speaking as a fan myself, I think that awards are nice, but as long as they're making a quality show and telling quality stories and reaching new fans, I, I am not particularly worried about the awards. I, I think that Star Trek will, will find its way, whether they win a Peabody or not. And the talent on the show, and I'm not just referring to those who are on screen, but uh, all the amazing people from you know the cinematographers and and the people who are building sets and the people who are doing sound design and people who are making the uniforms, they're doing just an amazing job. And you know they, they're doing it because you know it is it is a good job, but it's also they're part of something really special. And they're they're recognized by us, the fans, uh, certainly for the efforts that they put into it, if that matters at all. And and I certainly hope that it does. 
a lot of people have said that Star Trek Discovery is feeling like Game of Thrones in space. And my one little shot at that would be, look at how close the actors in Game of Thrones are. They have Twitter pictures and Facebook pictures where they are out for coffee together. They are meeting each other at a park. They're hanging out. When you look at the Discovery crew, and I mean that as the people who actually are making the show, they show up hanging out, having a good time, big smiles on their face and laughing. You can tell that this this group of people are tight. And yeah, you're right, John. Winning an award is awesome, but you know what? If they don't, we know that their heart and soul is being put into this show, and we're happy about that. I completely agree. Incoming transmissions. Let's take a look at what's new and upcoming on the Tricorder Transmissions Network. We have so many amazing shows. We've already told you about Trek Profiles, which is my show, The Amazing Politrex, uh, which is put on by Barry and Shashank as well. We have uh, shows for people who are interested in sort of the written word of Star Trek. So we have uh, Reading Trek and we have uh, Trek Ranks as well, which is an amazingly wonderful show. Uh, helmed by Jim Morehouse. Uh, we have our Shore Leave podcast, which is typically handled by uh, Jeff and Heather. And I think that that show is probably going to have more activity as we get closer to STLV to get everyone ready for this amazing Star Trek experience when the tribe gathers in Las Vegas for the convention every year. So go to www.thetricordertransmissions.com and find a show that appeals to you. Um, we're always looking for your feedback and for people to listen and tell us what they think. So uh, go ahead and get involved and find a show that, that works for you. Yeah. And you know, you can find us on Facebook, the tricorder transmissions. You can find us on Twitter as well. All of the shows have their own Twitter handle. So just, you know, you at, you know, shore leave Trek ranks, drawing Trek, disco Trek, reading Trek, weekly Trek, and you will find us there. You can also call in and leave us a voicemail at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527 and leave us a voicemail. And, you know, if you want to keep our Dilithium stores at full, you can always click on the Patreon button, which will, you know, if you have a little bit of extra Quatloos or Latinum, you can always send that in to us to keep us running and, and working and make sure that uh, these fine episodes make them out to make themselves out to you as soon as possible. And if you're enjoying the network and you want to support us on Patreon, what that gets you is actually early access to unedited versions of the episodes, plus some other amazingly cool benefits, some of which we're just about getting ready to announce. Uh, one of the things that I'm actually working on for my show, Trek Profiles, is I'm releasing a special extended version of one of my interviews with a guest that has not yet rolled out yet. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, Barry, why don't you? Yeah, Ooh, I, I'm cool. going to just tease that right there. So Barry, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Well, you can find me at Bjorn de Fjord. The J, of course, makes the Y sound in that sense on Twitter. And then you can find me on at Politrex on Facebook as well. And just a quick shout out, Shashank and I, we do a lot of banter before each and every show. And uh, that's what you're going to get from the Patreon on us. And coming up, you are going to hear puppy advice. And I'm dropping this on Weekly Trek before Politrex. Shashank got a puppy. And I have been giving him advice on that. So uh, you can look forward to hearing our banter on Shashank's enjoyable time with a dog that is chewing his carpet and peeing on it and ripping it to shreds. So yeah, find us on Politrek at Politrex as well on Twitter. How about you, John? How can we find you? Oh, well, you can find me at www.trekprofiles.com. 
You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Trek Profiles. And of course, you can find me on www.thetricordertransmissions.com, also under Trek Profiles. So that's where you can find everything to do with my podcast and, and what I'm doing in the Star Trek universe. So feel free to tweet at me, email me, oh, feedback at trekprofiles.com for email. So uh, get a hold of me any of those ways. If you want, uh, let me know what you think of this episode of Weekly Trek, or if you just want to talk Trek, that's okay too. All right. Well, that is all the Trek news we have to share with you this week. But if you'd like to continue this conversation, you can visit us on Twitter at Weekly Trek and online at thetricordertransmissions.com. We will be back next week with more news from around the Trek universe. But until then, live long and prosper.